on, everybody? It's Chris Starr again with Wildlife Command Center Podcast for another Nuisance Wildlife Wednesday. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about a little-known bat species. It's a little more well-known out here in the West, the pallet bat. Now, these bats are kind of a, at least in my experience, like a medium-sized bat. A lot more bats are a lot smaller than people think. You know, when most people think bats, they think of like two things, like vampire bats, which are actually tiny as far as, you know, general bats are concerned. And then like gigantic fruit bats and flying foxes, which are native to Asia. So we don't really have them here. But these guys wingspan right around eight inches, give or take, you know, they can vary in size a decent amount on where they live. Their general range is in the West, kind of like Rocky Mountains and West and actually Cuba. Crazily enough, they have a freaking population in Cuba, which is wild. Anyway, these guys are mostly insectivorous, but they'll actually, in certain areas where bugs may be low, they'll feed on fruit and pollen of like cactus and stuff like that. And one of their big, most distinctive features are these gigantic ears that they have. You know, most insectivorous bats, and depending on where they're at, that are like uh, teensy insectivorous, like mosquito eaters. They usually have small ears, but these guys actually feed on most of their bugs from the ground. So they fly pretty low. As a matter of fact, in a lot of their environments where they live out in the desert, they eat freaking scorpions, which is bonkers. The places that I've dealt with them with though, and let's say like our Albuquerque location, our Reno location, and our Sacramento location, most of the times we've seen them eating like beetles, crickets, moths, very rarely moths, but it's mostly ground-dwelling insects. They fly really low, and they use their echolocation to find the bugs on the ground. That's what those monster ears are for. Crazy. Give them a Google. They have these gigantic, cartoonish-looking ears. They're pretty great. So most of the time when we are dealing with palabats in the wildlife control company, here for a wildlife command center, we find them roosting in big like alcoves in front entryways where like there's a light that's subset really high up above the front door. And so the front entryway kind of creates like a cave or an alcove, you know, just a protected area that the pallet bats can get into and feel safe. And so what the people are seeing are pretty big, as far as bats are concerned, droppings on the ground below where the bats are roosting. And then oftentimes bug exoskeleton wings, legs, parts like that. Because what they'll do is they catch them and then they'll fly to that safe place. They'll get into that little, that good little personal space. And then that's where they'll dismember and eat the good juicy parts of the bug. Less oftentimes where I've experienced them are in larger colonies. I'm sure in some areas they'd live in those bigger colonies, but where I, I haven't seen them in those very often. And where I have, it's mostly in like the high mountainous areas, like in the Sierras or whatever that mountain range is down in uh, New Mexico. Maybe it's the Rockies. I don't quite remember. Anyway, when I've seen them there, it's been in those high kind of alpine locations up high in houses. And I mean, I'm trying to think of what what's the highest colony that I've seen. I think probably like 30 individuals, 30 bats, 30 bats or so. Hasn't been uh, too dense of colonies. Nothing like little brown or big brown bats, that's for sure. So as far as what people can do to kind of keep them out of your area. It's mostly making sure that what you have going on around your area isn't super prone to large bugs. You know, you don't have a lot of 
scorpions around beetles, big grasshoppers or crickets. You know what I mean? So certain types of natural pest control. I don't know. I can't personally advise. I'm not. A, I'm not a big poison guy. You know, so I'm not going to tell people to use pesticides, but most people do. You know what I mean? They have a pest control company that comes around and and services their lawn and stuff like that. Keeps the bugs down. But the main thing is keeping like fruit off the ground because fruit is what attracts the larger insects like crickets, basically they'll come in and eat those fallen fruit. So the main thing is if you have fruit trees, keeping those nice and harvested, keeping that stuff off the ground. The other thing is making sure that your house is pretty tucked away and tidy as far as large entry points to get into the space, into certain spaces, like into the walls, into the roof to soffit junctures, big corner gaps up high, that's the main thing is they're going to use all of the holes up high. Bats aren't going to use anything down low that they can get into. Although pallid bats in particular do most of their foraging down low, they're not going to live down low. You know, So if you see any kind of buildup of droppings, mostly around that like large alcoves in the front doorway, sometimes people have them in the backyard as well over their back decks, things of that nature. Most people at first think they're mice, but if they're building up in like a corner, look up. Do you see bats up there? Are they actually kind of big? Then they might be pallet bats. Do they have these <laughs> freaking gargantuan cartoonish looking ears? Them's the breaks. That's them. So if, if you do have pallet bats, give us a shout. We can come and remove them. Another way to kind of keep them out of the area. They like those corners because they feel safe. Rounding out those corners kind of helps. We don't really do that. We like to use like what's called rat out gel or something called stingum. What this stuff is, is it's a gel that has like garlic and pepper essences in it. And first off, so bats, contrary to what most people think, they actually like to be pretty clean. They don't like their fur to be messy or grody or anything like that. And so the gel gets on them, mats their fur, and then they instinctively go to clean that. And then they lick it and it tastes gross. It's got pepper and garlic in them. And you know, just like vampires, bats don't like garlic. Ha ha. So they always, uh, they clean it out. They're like, oh geez, what the heck? And then they'll stop sitting there. What we do is we put that gel up on like duct tape so that it's not actually on the wall itself because it kind of stains the wall. We don't want to stain your wall. So we'll, we'll get up there, put duct tape on the corners and then the gel on that duct tape. And we leave that up there for a couple of weeks, depending on the size of the bat issue. And then from there, they will not be about it. Ha, that was a good one. They won't be about it. They're going to leave that alone and start figuring out other places to live because they don't want to get that stingum gel on them. And if it is a larger colony, what we can do is inspect the rest of the property. What we do for bats is find all of the places that they are using. And with pallid bats, it is usually just one group, unless you have a monstrous house, and so the, which is not super likely. I've actually found pallid bats living on the opposite side of a house as two other bat species. Crazy. But what we'll do is find all of the places that the bats are getting into, and then all of the places that they are, uh, that they could use, excuse me, to try to get into later. What we'll do is we'll put one-way doors over those main entry points, and that allows those bats to get out, but then not back into those main spots. And then we seal up all of the rest of the places on the outside of the house that they could try to use to get back in. And so essentially, 
they leave that night and over the next subsequent nights to get out and go and feed and drink, but then they can't get back into their main roost site or any of the other places on the house. And so eventually over the next several days, they'll figure out they can't get back in and they don't feel safe to sleep on the house anywhere. And then they'll just leave and find a new place to live. It's a great part about Palabas. I mean, in my experience, they're actually pretty easy to exclude partially because of the small size of their colonies, as well as the fact that they're bigger, they can't squeeze into as many of the tight spaces that most of the other bats that we deal with can. Little browns and big browns, those are like the two big shibolis that we deal with on an almost daily basis within Wildlife Command Center. Those are the dudes that get in, can just get into the tiniest little cracks and crevices the size of your pinky nail, and even smaller with little browns. So pallet bats, pretty easy to exclude. You know, to wrap this up, basically, if you're in kind of those Western areas and you see some thick-eared boys and or a bunch of uh, cricket, <laughs> cricket legs or wings on the ground or like beetle carapaces and little, not little, large kind of mouse droppings, look up, could be a pallet bat. And so... If you have pallet bats, give Wildlife Command Center a call. We're in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Sacramento, California, and Reno, Nevada. Three places that pallet bats are pretty prevalent in certain times of the year. And so if you have them coming in, give us a shout. We'll come out and do an inspection and figure out how best to deal with these guys while not poisoning them or doing anything harmful. Just making sure that your house is sealed up nice and tight and then ushering them on your way. These bats are, and most bats nowadays, they're pretty spoiled. They're going to go to somebody else's house. But our main goal is to get them out of your house. So thanks again for listening to a, a nice quick episode of the Wildlife Command Center podcast with your host, myself, Chris Starr. If you have any wildlife issues, even beyond these big ear boys, give us a shout and we'll figure out how best to remove them in the safest way possible for them and for you guys. Thank you. God bless. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, a.k.a. Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus, download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue, where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.